Welcome to the Become New podcast with John Ortberg. We're in a series right now called Habit, where we're looking at the daily practices that shape the people we become. If you like this podcast, you can share it with a friend or give us a review wherever you're listening. That will help us spread the word. For more resources, visit becomenew.me. Now here's John. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And if you want a little postscript to add to this one, I was talking to an old friend, Neil Warren, yesterday. We had a wonderful conversation. And then at the end of it, he just said three words, go get them. Go get them. He said, that's a book that needs to be written. Go get them. And I kind of think of Jesus saying that to me sometimes. This is the day. Go get them. Do you believe that can happen? Do you believe that you can change? We are considering together these days habits and how when we are forming our habits, we are forming our lives because we are a mass of habits. And what I want to explore with you today is the role of belief in habit formation and habit change. Ezra Sullivan has written a book called Habits and Holiness and writes about the idea of what Ezra calls a limiting belief that is terribly important. A limiting belief that stems from habits and dispositions is the conviction that these traits cannot change because they are natural to the uh, individual. Habits and dispositions cause feelings, behaviors, and experiences that we associate with our identity. Often our inclinations feel natural that is inseparable from the rest of our life. We then erroneously equate what is secondary with what is primary in ourselves. We conclude that these traits are identical with our very nature. We come to identify ourselves with them, and we label ourselves by them. I'm lazy, one person says, or I'm just attracted to the sort of to that sort of person, that's the way that I am, another might insist. Now we have a nature, human nature is that which is not changeable in you. You think, you feel, you desire, you breathe, you eat, you relate, you act. That is your nature. You have a conscience. You search for meaning and God. That is your nature and that cannot change. But then habits are what in ancient times were sometimes called second nature. It becomes second nature. And when they get infiltrated by sin, in Scripture, the language around that is something like earthly nature or the old person. But the difficulty is, because it comes to feel natural to me, as natural as eating or breathing or walking, I begin to think that it's a part of my identity. And so I say, well, uh, I'm a worrier, I'm an anxious person, that's just the way I am. You just have to accept that about me. Or I just talk too much, I try to dominate with other people. Or we justify it to ourselves, it must be in my genes, Uh, It must have been passed on to me by my family, must be some kind of a generational curse. I lust, I envy, uh, I always try to put myself down. Uh, It's just who I am. No, it is not who I am. That's what Sullivan calls a limiting belief. And partly I'm motivated by that belief because if I actually take responsibility If I come to believe that it's possible for me to change, I will have to do the hard work of self-knowledge and look at things in me that I would rather not look at. 
And I will have to be open to the possibility that change might happen, and then I will have to put forth effort. It will take God's grace in me, but it will also put forth effort. So that the key variable here is, do I believe that change can happen with God's help, or do I not? And if I don't, I will be forever limited by that belief. In Charles Duhigg's book, The Power of Habit, fascinating section here. He's talking about uh, habit replacement therapy. We've discussed this where the uh, golden rule of habit transformation, habit formation is not that you try to break an old habit. You have that old cue and you have the old reward, but you can replace it with a new behavior. And that a lot of what, for example, Alcoholics Anonymous does is precisely that habit replacement. Here's what Dewey writes. Researchers began finding habit replacement works pretty well for many people until the stresses of life, finding out your mom has cancer or your marriage is coming apart, get too high, at which point alcoholics often fell off the wagon. Researchers ask why, if habit replacement is so effective, it seemed to fail at such critical moments. As they dug into alcoholic stories to answer that question, they learned that replacement habits only become durable new behaviors when they are accompanied by something else. One group of researchers at the Alcohol Research Group in California noticed a pattern in interviews. Over and over, alcoholics said the same thing. Identifying cues, choosing new routines is important, but without another ingredient, the new habits never fully took hold. The secret, the alcoholic said, was God. Researchers hated that explanation. God and spirituality are not testable hypotheses, or so they thought. Churches are filled with drunks who continue drinking despite a pious faith, and that's true. In conversations with addicts, though, spirituality kept coming up again and again. And here's what one, one researcher said. Even if you give people better habits, it doesn't repair why they stopped drinking in the first place. Eventually, they'll have a bad day, and no new routine is going to make everything seem okay. What can make a difference is believing. Now, the word for that is faith, believing that they can cope with that stress without alcohol. He goes on, by putting alcoholics in meetings where belief is a given, where, in fact, belief is an integral part of the 12 steps. You might remember, if you know, or you've been around for some of those kind of conversations, that second step came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. AA trains people in how to believe in something until they believe in the program and themselves it lets people practice believing that things will eventually get better until things actually do. At some point, people in AA look around the room and think, if it worked for that guy, it can work for me, says one of the senior scientists with the Alcohol Research Group. There's something very powerful about groups and shared experiences. People might be skeptical about their ability to change if they're by themselves, but a group will convince them to suspend disbelief. A community creates belief. And gang, that is the church. I was thinking this morning, there's a, a wonderful phrase in the book of Acts, the 16th chapter, I think it's verse 5, where it talks about Paul 
who's traveling with Silas, and then he gets young Timothy who wants to take with him. And they go from one community to another, and they uh, help people become strengthened in their faith. Now, what does it mean to be strengthened in your faith? Well, I believe it's not just that you have a higher feeling or probability that God exists. That can fluctuate. Our feelings fluctuate. This is a beautiful morning right now, and I'm looking at the sun coming up over a hill, and the birds are flying overhead, and the skies are blue. Much easier for me to have optimistic, hope-filled, faith-filled feelings at the moment, and that can all change. But what happens is when we become part of a community of faith, I believe that when the text talks about people being strengthened in their faith, it is that they believe they have faith. They actually trust God can change me. God can remake me. God is in the process of doing that, partly by changing my habits. So let me ask you today, who helps you believe you can change? I was texting a good friend of mine today who's one of those people for me. He was telling me about a difficult situation that he faces periodically where he's tempted to just be uh, way less than his best self. And that's all habits. It's cues, it's relationships, it's faces, it's tone of voice that just are triggering. And I was saying to him not too long ago, well, I know you want to be your best self. And he said, oh, no, 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 I can be a real sinner. Now, he didn't use the word sinner. He used another much more colorful but less family-friendly word, so I'll use the word sinner. And I was thinking about that. So I texted him today, and I said, okay, here's your thought for today. Here's the habit to cultivate today. When you're in that situation and you can feel those kind of feelings welling up inside you, ask yourself, number one, what would a sinner do? And then number two, just do the opposite, no matter how natural that feels. What would a sinner do? Do the opposite. And he texted back and said, I can do that. And when I watch my friend in a really difficult situation where all the habits and cues run the wrong way, say, I will try again. I'm open. I believe that God can come to me in my mind And there could be those same cues, but I know the deepest reward that I want is to be the person God wants me to be because the main thing God gets out of my life is the person I become. That's what I'm after. So in the face of that same cue, I can substitute a different response, a different behavior. I can move toward, I can seek to love, I can try to be honest, I can try to bring encouragement, I can try to serve, I can do that. And then the reward that I get will be something better than just the smug, martyrish Scandinavian satisfaction I get from withdrawing from somebody and making them feel bad. It can be, I can become a new kind of person. And I can be part of God's project of shalom in his world. That's the reward that I really want. And then my habits can begin to be changed. And uh, gang, we can be part of that community for each other as we interact with each other, as we talk, as we comment, as we text. You got somebody in your life. You have somebody there. That's what the church is about. Who, when you're with them, like people getting together in an AA room, like a team when it begins to come together, who help you believe that change is possible. That's what it is to be strengthened in faith. Because love is habit forming. Hi, I'm Tim. Thanks for joining us. You mean so much to us as a community, and we hope that this series helps you build some new habits in your life to help you grow spiritually one day 
at a time. And we wanna hear from you throughout this series. If you have questions, you can put them in the comment box wherever you're watching, or you can email us or text us. And at the end of the series, we're gonna sit down with John and talk about some of your questions. For more resources, you can visit becomenew.me. And to spread the word, you can hit subscribe, share this video with a friend, or give us a review on podcasts wherever you're listening. We'll see you next time.